Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, who boy it's a biggie, we are watching Citizen Kane! That's right, one of the all-time great American movie classics because it's turning 80 years old. Oh. oh my god. Indeed. So uh, joining us, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is stand-up comedy's Kate Willoughby. Hello. How are you, Stephen? I'm great, Kate. Kate, um, you've not seen Citizen Kane. No, I, I know it from pop culture. Um, mm. I say I, The Simpsons, uh, yeah. right? And yeah. um, just So I know of it and I know that everyone says that, you know, was it, this movie had like angles and... It had it gave things to film that we like for film language and how some things were done. So I because it was eighty years old. So mm. I think it's yeah. But I know I've never watched it. I have no idea what it's actually about. What, what do you what do you anticipate that it might be about? There's a bloke called Kane, mm-hmm. and um, he's a citizen, which feels like that's political, and um, and he wants he he wants to be. A, he just wants to be recognised as a citizen, goddammit, <laughs> yeah. and he wants his rights. Yeah. Of the in New York City, yeah. I don't know why New York, or maybe Miami, mm. or. It's a touching story of immigration about little man that could. The that little, is... yeah, yeah, that's ex- yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we will find out shortly if it is uh, about that or not. Uh, luckily, we have someone who has seen the film uh, back on the program for the first time in a year. What? It's wow. Luke Jago. Hello, Luke. Where, well, where have you been? I don't know. You've been hard at work. Yeah. Uh, d- down at the old Sim Lab Center. That's it. Doing, yes. Just doing that simulation education. Indeed. Luke, uh, it's lovely to have you back on the program. Thanks, mate. It's, been, it's nice to be back. It's been a while. It's mm. good to see you. Yeah, no, I only realised it was a year when I was doing uh, notes for this programme earlier. I can't believe I was it. Like, what was the last one? Goodfellas or something? Yeah, it was Goodfellas. Yeah, wow. I think it was that good. You were just like, you know what? I'm I need done. To, I need to ruminate on Surprise this. Surprise, I'm even back. Yeah, for 12 Ended on a high with that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You only want to be on the best films ever. Uh, yeah. And Citizen Kane is, is often cited as being one of the best films ever made. Yeah. In a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what, what can uh, Kate expect from her first viewing? I think Kate nailed it with like the camera angles and the innovation of film language and all that sort of stuff. It did like set the, a new benchmark for visual storytelling. I think that's what it's mainly known for. So you're absolutely right with that. Um, and yeah, it is beautifully shot and bold angles. And I think the other main thing about it is it's kind of structure using the, the with the use of flashbacks and things like that. I'm sure they've been used before, but uh just done in a really like slick and commercial kind of way like it won i think best screenplay at the oscars and things like that for it's just focusing on its structure of the screenplay so i think it's that was quite innovative for its time as well but yeah there there is a cane boy (laughs) and he wants to be a citizen damn it and and yeah, he could be in Miami or New York. Yeah, I, I forgot. I only like saw it recently again last year just because I was going to watch Mank when that came out. Oh, yeah. And I just wanted to just get a bit of context with it. So it, And before that, I hadn't even I'd watched it at uni, so I completely forgot it. And I've forgotten it now, so I'm looking forward to wait, watching it right now. Yeah. Well, you really sold it to me. I forgot yeah. about it. <laughs> I can't remember what it's yeah. about. Structurally, it's great oh, as yeah. a structure. As an entertainment piece, I can't tell you because mm. I forgot. 
Yeah, um, I don't even know if it's entertaining anymore. Like, it's mm. good. Oh. Like, I know it's good and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I should have been the person that hadn't seen the film on this because I can't really remember. But you have it. seen it. Oh, I definitely saw it last I, year. The criteria yeah. is never can you remember it. It's just have you seen well, it. Well, thank God. That's good because I can't remember. <laughs> um, but no, I watched it so I could watch Mank, basically. Mm-hmm. And that Mank was pretty really good. Yeah. What's Mank? Yeah, it's like the latest film from David Fincher. And it's basically about the oh. writer, blah, 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 Mankiewicz, mm-hmm. who wrote Citizen Kane. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And then there's a little bit of him working with the, the director, Orson Welles, and trying to get the script... Uh, ready, but yeah, that's why I really was into it because I wanted to watch the new Fincher film. It's pretty good. Not his best, but pretty good anyway. Move on. Okay, we'll move on uh, to watching Citizen Kane. Are you guys ready? Let's get ready for what sounds like the broccoli of movies. It's I can't, can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. the, the broccoli of movies? Yeah, because it's, it's, it sounds like it's, you know, people say you should eat your broccoli because it's good for you. Mm. But is it good? Is it tasty? It depends on if you like it or not. And it, you know. It, yeah. If it was important for filmmaking, maybe that makes it the broccoli. Indeed. It's yeah. part of a balanced lunch. That's yes. right. And I couldn't tell you which. For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to remember on your deathbed things about your childhood as we watch Citizen Kane. Oh, does this movie have Rosebud in it? Yes, I thought <laughs> oh, you were going to mention that. I didn't okay. want to even mention it. All right. I didn't even want to mention right. it. Because do you, do you know what Rosebud no. is? Oh, that's good. Mm. That's We get a genuine response reaction. to it. Yeah. But yeah, this is the Rosebud film, which is why I also avoided saying it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Citizen Kane. And by we, I, of course, mean Luke Jago. Hi. And Kate Willoughby. Hello. Kate, that was your first time watching Citizen Kane. It was. What did you think? It was all right. It was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looked really good. Mm. Yeah. And the story was quite interesting. And it feels like a very modern film. Mm. And I think that's sort of what, you know, because it's 80 years old. Mm. Like, so for me, I went, okay, cool. I can see it very ahead of its time yeah it I, I was surprised by how good it looked yeah because um, my memory of seeing this film years ago in, in a film class was I guess maybe the copy wasn't as good as this particular one that we've got because I do not remember the picture quality being um, mm, as beautiful. good as this yeah and there's a lot of very striking visuals which I didn't remember particularly of uh, Xanadu the big palatial home yeah. of um of Kane. Um, Jago, how was it for you? Because I know that you said that you watched this within the last year. How was it revisiting it? Oh, yeah, it all came, it's all coming back. To all me coming now. back. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it looks great. It's a great transfer that, that mm. we had. And uh, yeah, it just reminded me of all the great angles and uh, shot compositions and transitions and you know, moving dolly shots and all that sort of stuff. It all still holds up. And the story holds up as well. It's like a very compelling drama mm. that you could. St- stand against any modern classic these days i reckon yeah. So, yeah. It, it does feel surprisingly contemporary for many reasons but in in terms of the 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 film techniques it does feel as though it, it was strange because watching it it's been a while since i've watched a film from around this time period i think the last film we watched on the podcast 
was at the start of the year, and that was Dracula, which was another 10 years before this. Yes. Yeah, right. But that felt a lot older yes, than this film. Mm-hmm. Um, more than 10 years difference, I guess. Yeah. So trying to sort of picture this this Citizen Kane film against other films from 41 without having those other films fresh in the mind. I think I'm finding it a little hard to tell, but it, it is impressive. And at no point, there were, oh, sorry, sorry, I'll rephrase that. There were very few points where something happened and I went, oh, that technique has been improved now. Like, mm. I, I think there was a bit with the, um, uh, some of the the transition shots where they were having the camera moving up and over buildings and, yeah, and things like that. Yeah, doing hand shots and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But, but some of them worked really well. Oh, yeah. It was only really one or two, like going into Susan's bar yeah, the El Rancho yeah. window shot is awesome. I mean, you can yeah. see how they did it, but the, mm. the idea behind it, craning up over the sign and into the window and then kind of just dissolving yeah. through the window, you know, easy yeah. technique and, now, but great concept for back then. Yeah, you know, like, and the first yeah, really time cool. they do it, it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, the second time they do it, it feels like it's been rushed a well, bit. Well, yeah, they kind of didn't. Yeah, and they reversed, and then they um, then they reversed the shot. Yeah, they rewind to the exit, and I was like, "Hey, man, look, yeah, do what you got to do." Basically, yeah, and like, but that's like a very, very small criticism. Eighty years still good. I mean, it goes through the sign. I mean, that that would be hard to do. Yeah, like a little baby camera. Yeah, there's some really lovely um, just use of the screen itself use of the the screen real estate and, and also the use of um the fact that it's a black and white film right yeah. because they use shadows and really well to use like a character could be in complete darkness and using that silhouette use because mm. i know there are lots of films and even tv shows that have come out now where you go it is so dark you can't see anything because yeah. it's ha- it's all you're like muddy it's, yeah and it's you're like blends. why is it all blue and it all blends and i can't see so even though there's so many shadows in some parts it's it's done well, so it even mm. utilizes the fact that it is the film that they, you know, it's black and white. Like, so they've used everything quite well, like mm. the here's space a, and the lighting. Here's a word I remember from art class when I was 17 chiaroscuro. Ooh. Ooh. I can't believe I pulled that out of my ass just now. <laughs> yeah, like real harsh um, contrast between black and white. Yeah. And yeah, all over this film. And I love that. I just love mm. those harsh shadows with the steps and the. Yeah. yeah. And I think it would yeah. also help because, uh, like, uh, the set looks so gr- grand that you sort of, at times, even now, you still believe, you go, oh, that looks like, you know, like when they're at the bank. I'll let you, mm. you know, for a minute you go, yeah, that looks like a real grand you know bronze statue or whatever because Mm. because it's black and white and because they use shadows and lighting so um whatever the word chiaroscuro it was so chiaroscuro (laughs) um i love saying it you know curoscopic as they say (laughs) um in the industry um that you know it only it only was when i was looking at it that i went well no the actress is clearly like it's just a table and that's clearly a fake flat statue behind her and that door behind her is clearly painted mm. and it's looking big in a distance that's why you never see her open that door mm. like so when she does open the door that clearly only would have been as wide as as much as what the camera would see you yeah. know so mm. they did a really good job of mm. making even the mansion like the fireplace and like yeah. the distance there was stuff that you went well that's clearly painted or mm. they've used dimensions really well to make things grander and bigger than they were and the use of real footage can i like when the opening thing happened and they were showing the newsreel and stuff mm. and like combining real 
news footage and like that footage to make her uh, to make him like this see this actor he's in some new f- real footage and now we've got our footage so mm. it looks you know apart yeah. like i was like oh wow like uh, he looks like a real person like yeah the shot of kane with hitler um yeah, was, was like done so well i'd forgotten about that and yeah I, I totally forgot about that. yeah and part of me was like did they just get someone to dress up as hitler and shot that from a distance or is that actual footage of hitler i yeah. think I can't. I mean, I can't tell. Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Before, before <laughs> Forrest Gump. Yeah. Like all the footage, or even like um, like a having the really smart choice of like when they had the crowd and you could hear like someone was talking to the crowd and that was clearly an established newsreel shot mm. to then do a close up of someone speaking but keeping the same microphone sound quality, uh, sound quality yeah. and but also. Um, the set having mm. the same speaker mm. that you saw in the wide shot, so they would have picked the shot and then picked and then made the backdrop look this like it was very smart, so it, it blended. So you went, yeah. yeah, this guy's talking to these people. It they it it made me for a second believe, you know. Of course, he did World of Worlds. I was like, oh wow, this is like mm. a you know, if you're in the cinema, you'd go, oh shit, this actual like person die. Yeah. Like an extension of that World of Worlds when yeah. people believe when, when that movie started i'd assume a lot of people would think oh are we watching a documentary now? Are we, yeah like, like oh we're watching a news people go and he's tricked us again yeah, he's got us bloody awesome it's a really, and it's a really punchy sequence too yeah. isn't it? like just really well edited with a lot of really good pace yeah and mm. and different formats and mm. different sound things coming in and out like so it's it did like feel a, like historical documents yeah, that they had yeah. put like together like some press kit or something and also press, it yeah. gave you the whole outline of his life it's so smart because they mm. managed to do exposition Hmm. with in the best smartest way to go okay you know his whole life the movie starts where he dies you know he's lost his first wife and his child you know he got married again you know things went to crap Hmm. so then when you're hearing when you get the flashbacks you're seeing what was actually going on and then and the detail and stuff so you didn't Hmm. have to do the intense exposition in the thing, you know, you know yeah. that the white, the son died in a car accident or whatever mm. later. So the last time you see the son seeing him in a car, that might not be of when he died, but it's that imagery of going, mm. this is the last time we see Kane with his son in the film. He doesn't die today, but we're seeing him go in a car separately yeah. because, and it's in the back of your mind that you know the, the, his son will die in a car accident. Yeah. So and same with Emily. Yeah, and same with Emily and mm. like going in separate. So it was very smart of like, mm. you know, when you see that, because this is the night the kid dies, but he doesn't. Mm. But it was a very smart way of giving yeah. you the whole world. Yeah, it, it reminds me of um, Titanic, actually. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Oh. Um, you know, the start when they're talking to Gloria Stewart, they've got her in and the guy gives her the animatic of the, the of Titanic the ship sunk, sinking. Yeah. yeah, as it hits, then he's like, and then it punches more. It's called, dit, dit, dit. and you know, and, and she says, oh, well, that's a great forensic, you know, analyzing of what happened but my experience was somewhat different you know and then mm. it goes into you know obviously all the detail that's what it reminded me of funnily enough yeah yeah it's a really good comparison actually as well where because kane, kane is yeah. not real but the titanic was but the great thing that titanic does at the start of that film is going you know the boat that sank is yeah. the first five minutes it's kane is doing that same thing but with a fictional figure yeah, yeah. even though that is a figure who it was based on some very real figures, mm. um, which George which, Hurst, yes, may have got uh, Orson Welles into a bit of trouble. He didn't like it. Well, yeah, this movie Mank that I was talking about, they mm. they go into all into that a bit, and it's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it's. I thought that was again a really clever thing. The whole time I'm watching this film, I'm just going, "This is very clever." I, mm. I can see why this 
this was and is still considered one of the best movies ever made mm. um you know it frequently tops like lists of the hundreds greatest films ever made and things like that i partly because of it it was so new it was such a different mm. way of doing it like even just having the the credits at the end of the film yeah and not the beginning like we didn't mm. see any of the actors names we just saw a picture directed by orson wells yeah citizen Kane. straight off the bat yeah. i was like because there's no music mm. no nothing it was just like black screen and then no the font, music yeah the font citizen Kane. that's like trendy you know mm. like that's a trendy yeah. thing to do like yeah very cool awesome yeah cool. and um Kane, he's not Kane. Awesome Wells um, got again into a little bit of trouble for, with the um, the film industry because they were like, no, you have to have the credits at the beginning and the overture and the uh, mm. violin music while it's like starring this person and this person. And he chose not to mm. do that. Um, yep. I think it's probably a good time to talk about Awesome Wells, seeing as this is his uh, his film debut. Yes, didn't do bad for a first time. No. In there, did he? How old was he? Twenty four. He was in his mid-twenties when this was being filmed. He was 26 when it was released. So Yeah, Yeah, I didn't realise that 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 was Orson Welles. uh, Because I was like, man, this actor's like... I was literally about to ask until I realised that you guys were saying he was Orson Welles. Because when I asked, did any of them do any work afterwards? I was like, (laughs) that guy that played Kane, he should have got more acting gigs. Well, he he did. did. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He was doing... I mean, one, he was just really sexy Super i couldn't hot. he was so hot <laughs> i was like this is uncomfortable um mm. uh, but also it took me a bit to realize like at first i had thought and i think that's really good the makeup as well they mm. aged the actors really well that for a little bit i thought that the transition from him as a young man when he first got the newspaper to when you saw him again and he was clearly meant to be in like his 30s or mm. like or at least his early maybe his early 30s or late Mm. 20s or whatever um for a second i thought it was like a different actor like when you had when he came forward and you saw his hair had been thinning or whatever um and he was in his 40s i was like oh cool they're showing us like this is a different actor and then i was like no it's the same guy Mm. and i think they did a really good job of yeah up, doesn't it the makeup i think the aging Mm. makeup really held up the the aging makeup's great i also think that Orson Welles himself does so much to make you believe him at every age. With his like yeah. idiosyncrasies and yeah, all of them did. Even the guy that played his best friend, Jeremiah. Yeah, his, mm. I was like, you are a person that has watched enough old man, old men, <laughs> because like his rambling and stuff at the end, mm. it was like so on point. It was mm. yeah, he was. He was really, really good, good, wasn't he? Can what you was, yeah. get us a couple of cigars, please? Now, yeah. when you get them, you need to sneak and pass the duck. <laughs> While yeah, all the nurses like are just like standing right behind him. Yeah. yeah. Was... Uh, Joseph Cotton played um, Jebediah Leyland. Um, yeah. And yeah, just looking at these these actors, they, they had pretty big film careers. Um, in fact, uh, Cotton and Wells were both in uh, 1949's The Third Man, mm. which is oh, a yeah. classic of, of film noir. Yeah. Um, Never seen it. Oh, well. Uh, I did a talk on it at uni. I did remember. you? Oh. Yeah, that was cool. I was just very, I don't, I don't really remember that one either as well. But he was so good on it. He didn't direct it, but um, yeah, he played like the mysterious man, you know, who, I don't know. Move on. I forgot yep, the plot. That, no, but yeah, good. really cool. Really cool Noah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just a, a really effective performance from... From everyone as their younger selves and then as their older selves. Yeah. Um, I, I really think actually 
now I think about it, um, Dorothy uh, Comingor, who played Susan Alexander, mm. that was, I had that moment Amazing. of going, wait, is that the same actor playing young and old? Yeah, when you met her, like yeah. when she had the toothache, compared to mm. what she, how she was behaving at the end at the bar, it mm. was like, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. So... The story, uh, for those of you who maybe have uh, not watched the film and just decided to listen to the review, is uh, there's, there's a guy named Kane, Charles Foster Kane. Uh, he is uh, a really old man at the start of the film, and he promptly dies, uh, uttering one final word, Rosebud, in an extreme close-up of his mouth before dropping a snow globe and, and passing from the world. And uh, this reporter named Jerry is tasked with finding out what the heck Rosebud meant, and we follow Jerry's investigations as he questions people still alive from the life of um, of Cain. And he uh, meets Leyland and interviews him. He sees Susan. She rejects him the first time and then talks to him the second time. Um, who else does he speak to? He speaks to Bernstein. Jeremiah. Uh, yeah, uh, Jeremiah. He speaks to Bernstein. And he who reads is the books. Somehow still alive. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, he reads the book of um, Thatcher. Thatcher. Yeah. Um, he reads his 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 memoirs in that um, yeah that weird locked bank. off bank room. <laughs> yeah, they're like here's his, but we're never gonna publish it. And I'm mm. just like, what kind of dirt is in that thing mm. where he's written all this stuff, but they're never gonna publish it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really really loved that that mechanic of as you were saying before, Kate we get the broadest strokes of Kane's life mm. and then we get these sort of in-depth looks at particular sections from people who knew him and the way time skipped throughout this film yeah backwards and forwards was, as well. yeah. was done really effectively and I think communicated really well mm. and I think sometimes when films or latterly tv shows attempt to do that it can sometimes get a bit lost yeah at no point did they really have to put 19... 19- Nine, you know, like yeah. they did in the show reel, but there was no real point where they had to like no, go, we're in this year. Yeah, like they've it mapped was, it out for you already. They mapped it yeah. out and mm. they showed the age clearly. You know, if mm. the actors had aged in time, they had the same actors in the shot. So you were like, you just saw them. Now they're a bit older. And you're like, mm. cool, I you got, got it. You've got the old clue where it's like, well, this depression that's just started isn't good. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, they're in 1929. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, largely it was, it was done really really well really effectively and uh i was just having a great time as we were skipping around and and just again as as you say seeing them sort of age up and age down um and and jump around uh so yeah we follow kane i think it's really interesting we never see kane from his own perspective no uh it's always he's always framed as this sort of unknowable figure to an extent yeah um, despite the fact this is all about him, I don't think we ever really get to know Charles Foster Kane as a person. We get to know how he presented himself to the world and to specific people in the world. Yeah. Yes. Like he was kind of what a, not a philanthropist, like a, a do-gooder, like someone to help the, the poor. And Yeah. A philanthropist. I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 Like when using his newspaper to mm. write basically whatever he wants to convince whoever he wants of the problems of society is that it but it was one of those weird things where you'd be going well he's calling people out on on what they're doing to help people but also 
his news wasn't always truthful. Yes. So right. it was like that. I think that's why they kept bringing up the war in um, the war with Spain. Spain. The war with Spain. Yeah. Um, you know, like it was sort of you're making up this lie, but he's doing it to show another problem that that's happening. Like, mm. so it was this weird. Yeah thing about like well what is truth it's the truth that i think it is but it's to for the quote-unquote like greater good yeah um, mm. which i guess is what george george hurst was known for mm. doing like in real life as far as running his newspaper and and mainly influencing political yeah sways and things like that as, as far as i know so yeah it's yeah. it's it is kind of fascinating i I'm I'm not sure if this is a if this is something that's just like a, my own reading of the film or not, but I I am curious as to how different the Canes are from each person's perspective because yeah. I I felt that the performance was very consistent from Orson Welles yeah but I feel as though the Kane who we saw through Leyland was a lot crueler than the other Canes. To an like extent. Bernstein's cane. Yeah. Bernstein's cane yeah. was not really shown being that cruel. No. It was shown being a lot of other things, yeah. but but never cruel. Um Susan showed him being cruel yeah. towards the end, but um but I really feel like Leyland, who had been maybe the most betrayed by Kane, because he betrayed those principles and mm. they had this long friendship that was broken by Kane's actions and by Leyland's actions. Um I, I do wonder whether or not the story is written in such a way where Cain appears crueler because we are being told the story from Leyland at this yeah. point. Mm. I know. And that's also what's, yeah, really interesting about it mm. as well. What's so forward thinking? Like, what's so modern about it still? Mm. I love that. Yeah. Know, like, yeah, is he a bad... And I think that's a, it's, like, still a sad story because you go, mm. is... People go, well, is he a bad guy that, you know, like, a, you know, a classic... um you know scrooge you yeah. know like if only he learned about the importance of this he'd wake up and say what day is it boy like you're waiting for that or is it just well this is somebody's life and mm. it it might and it seems very lonely at the end but yeah. also yeah it's quite yeah it's very interesting like about like where it makes him more complicated which i think is yeah very modern mm. is that he's yeah. that he's not a hero but he's not a villain there's he's, no redemption there's no but yeah there's no redemption he just lived mm. his life and it's only like in hindsight when you're looking at this full mm. picture of someone's life that it seems to you know like oh if only he picked to step away from politics to you know to save face mm. for you know his wife and his child mm. um because it's also sort of vaguely inferred like did the kid were they murdered or was it just a freak accident because i, I think it was a freak accident it was because it was one of those things where like they were like if you don't do this your child and wife will find an accident mm. and then all of it and i was like well they did die in an accident I think and the guy suggested was them. and then because then because okay. the, then he said i'll take you to like oh, to your car it, it was very weird like i uh, that's yeah, why no, part was the mum involved with the son dying it's it's not, but it's not. Yeah. But Why did she? Because she's obviously going to go and confront, and confront him about him. the mistress. But, but it was very interesting that, like, yeah, like that politician mm. it sent made her send the letter threatening that Gettys. if you didn't step away from politics, 
something will happen to your child and to you, to the yeah. white, to her and her mm. son. And that's why she can, finds information and confronts him. And then he chooses to not step away from politics and it gets and put in the paper with, anyway. Yeah. And, and she divorces her, she yeah. divorces him, but they still die in a car accident. The, the reason I, I don't know, that just got, okay, that was just weird. Just I don't know I what, a bit. what the point would be of killing them two years after the election when they've separated from Kane. Yeah. Other than if Kane had done something else that was threatening yeah. The governor yeah. and the governor well, what's was the point was in bent. the story. The, yeah. the fact that they died. And I think even if even yeah. in an accident. Yeah, that's a fun question. I don't know. It was yeah. just something that I was like, "That's so weird." Because again, mm. the last time we see the wife again is him making a comment about her going to her car. So yeah. mm. I, it, whether he whether it was, I don't know. Maybe I just missed a bit. But I was like, "Holy shit, crap!" Um, but that being said, mm. it's just probably inferred that you know, death was always. Like tra- tragedy was always looming over the wife yeah. and the yeah. and the yeah. son. choice to remain in politics and stay with Susan and yeah, but he and he only married her because he sort of felt like he had to. Like I think yeah. he cared for her. Like I know yeah. that again because did, did she say that she she slept with him on that first night? Did she say something like that? I don't. I can't remember. Because I, I know that the door shut, and then I thought, oh my god, is he gonna like attack go. her? And then she opened the door, but it felt long enough that enough time had passed. Yeah. That I thought, okay, did they sleep together, and she kept a door open, or did he shut the door? And then she said, I don't keep my door. I shut. keep it open for it, the landlord. Yeah. When, yeah, for the landlord. Mm. I I don't know that they slept together that first night. Because a part mm. of me, a part of me thinks, because she, she tried to explain to the wife, she says mm. it's nothing like that. I honestly think. Unless he, there was more inferred that um, if she said the line, I shouldn't have slept with him or whatever. I mm. can't. Mm. Is I don't that, remember anything. Like I don't that. think he ever slept. I think he sat and he listened mm. her sing and play piano, and he enjoyed her company as a form of escapism mm. um, because she didn't know who he was. Yeah, and she was friendly. Mm. And she was friendly. Mm. And I honestly think that when she says it's nothing like that, the white like you know so, mm. but he was so intent on uh, staying in in politics because he thought he could do well you know or either do more or get the love of the people or whatever yeah that the people wouldn't care because they would know the truth about it or whatever but mm. like that's i think that's why he was so angry of going if that's what they want like i think he would have been more than prepared to go yeah it wasn't an affair she's just mm. a, a friend but that's what everyone jumped mm. on when he just went fine and then married her anyway. Like, I honestly yeah. don't think he's, I don't think he loved his, you know. Well, yeah, well, he know. didn't. And we saw in that wonderful montage of a marriage breaking down. Yeah. That was amazing I to watch. That. Even mm. how their clothes, oh, it was so good. Yeah, no, like the, um, yeah, the pacing of that as well. And even just one line, mm. you know, in between, you know, time periods and shots. And I love the, um, I'm just a fan of like kind of Scorsese, Paul, T- Paul Thomas Anderson, like, swish pans yeah and they had that not quite like refined Mm. like it's got dissolves in there but just the swish pan as if going to another era Mm. and having set on the same shot but just in a different time and the table gets bigger and the conversation gets shorter and i yeah love that like very like modern filmmaking it was it was really really superb um and then yeah so kane i think ultimately kane's just Kane just wanted to be a champion sledder, I think is what this came down to. Because <laughs> he was happy as a clam right up until his mother basically gives him up so yeah. that he the, can have the family good, wealth. In a way, well, I, I, I forgot that the first time I watched it, the fact that his father was a 
abusive drunk. Yeah. And that she was protecting him. Yeah. But it's really interesting because when it frames at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, this, this like, this woman is, seems really cold at distance and this guy's trying yeah. to be like this loving father that's trying, mm. you know yeah. what I mean? And, and then, then, it, and then it, it turns and you just went, oh my God, that dad wasn't who I thought he was like at yeah. all, which I guess, you know, is also the whole yeah. point. And uh, yeah, Mary giving up her son for, so that he can have that future. Because she knew, because the yeah. thing was under her name, but she's like, that's my husband, mm. and the best way to get this separated is for my son to have it. Yeah, yeah. And, and knowing that she had the basically the exclusive rights to this mine, which ended up having gold in it, mm. and that all that money would go only to Charles when he turned 25. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a lovely setup, but, but what it does mean is that in trying to protect him that way, he... He never had love. Yeah. Because I think Bernstein cared for him, but I don't know that Bernstein loved yeah. Charles. This And, you know, as an eight, nine-year-old getting sent away from your family, from a dad who, even though he abuses you, it, the way the language was used was that the father was using more familial stuff. He was calling him yeah. Charlie, and the mum was calling him Charles and things like that. Like, I, I feel like there was definitely a complicated relationship with the yes. mother even before she sent him oh, away. Oh, 100%. And, but the fact that she wanted to send him away, but the fact that when he was asking about who was going, mm. he never mentioned the dad. Yeah. He was like, when's mum? So mm. that's also what was really interesting is that I just feel like she detached herself because she was like, mm. she had to. Like, I think, like, like you yeah. know, all the simple fact that, you know, when the husband shut the door, the window she pulled it open again. Yeah. Like, so, cause she still wanted to maybe hear him or see him. Like, so it's this weird, she, I mean, much like, I guess what he was like when he got older mm. is that she tried to show the way that she could care for him and love him, but she had to be detached to do it because mm. maybe, you know, if she showed any more, she wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, yeah. so she's like, well, this is what I have to do. So I got to separate myself. And I think that's, then that's something that he had his whole life because mm. he was too scared to go through his mother's stuff. But it's sort of like, well, if he ever went through her stuff, the fact that she kept that sleigh, mm. you know, even though he left, you know, she kept mm. it. Mm. That might have, I don't know. Might have helped. It might have helped. We don't know. Yeah. And yeah, then of course it just affects everything he does for the rest of his life. He wants to be loved. He goes into newspapers for popularity. Um mm. You know, Bernstein quite liked him. Leyland hung around for quite a long time. And, you know, they were like college friends and there was probably like a good bond there. Um, yeah. But then Leyland had these these ideals that he kept living up to, which Cain abandoned. Yeah. It's um, very interesting, yeah, seeing the transition of him abandoning. Yeah. What do you call it? The list of... Um, the I, good stuff yeah the list of good stuff <laughs> yeah. um the declaration of principles that's the one yeah 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 because yeah. it was the 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 stuff started changing because he was worried when he got when they ha were having that party which reminded me again you can see so many films of <laughs> i was like oh wolf of wall street like how many films have you know oh well i was just thinking the simpsons and the simpsons, mr yeah. burns so many that, mr burns that, re that retirement party yeah. for one of the colleagues but then it all ends up being about mr burns and there is that man it's mr burns it's mr burns <laughs> and then at the end burns <laughs> <laughs> well, well i mean the fact so much of this film has just been parodied in the simpsons like yeah. the political speech he does but when it was sideshow bob and yes. they've used that exact imaging yeah. for um, yeah 
for the for sideshow side Bob's thing, where he's just standing there cackling like ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in his campaign. Yeah, the um, snow globe, you know, like the, the film. I don't, I don't know. I think it was Mister Plow's commercial. Yeah, <laughs> and then someone designs it like a snow globe <laughs> crashing and Citizen Kane tight reflection in the smashed snow globe yeah which again which, i guess that the clue was there all along because it was a snow globe in the snow the snow and yeah in the sleigh oh, and then the, the yeah. they mentioned the sled the, all the reporters with rosebud it's one of the mm. first things they say they go ah perhaps it's something to do with sledding or they mention something a sledding yeah. connection with rosebud and they all just go laugh it off and go ah ha 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 and yeah it's so was was that surprising kate like was that a surprising twist at the end like having seen that Rosebud was the sleigh. No, I mean, like, I just sort of went, I just went, oh, oh. it's a sleigh. And I just was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Like, I don't know what people were, like, I wasn't disappointed by that. I think mm, maybe there yeah. might have been people going like, what? But it was sort of like when she when she left and he looked down, he was throwing everything, which was a very cool scene. Yeah. Um, uh, and then he couldn't throw that away because it would have maybe the snow might have reminded him of his mm. of his childhood. Mm. and because again it was that moment of where it was so close like again the actress did such a good job when she was when he said don't go Mm. you can have what you makes you happy not what i think makes you happy Mm. which again that was the mum. i'm doing this because i think this will make you happy yeah you know um she the look on her face she was you could tell that she she cared for him and that she loved Mm. him and the second and then when he said you can't do this to me, that mm. shift was mm. like was chef kiss. She was like, "You nearly got me. Yeah. You nearly made, you know." And I think he was so close to something. So yeah, the fact that I don't know, it made sense that he looked at that and thought of his childhood of going, mm. you know. It uh, it really feels like he needed therapy. Oh, a hundred percent. He even said, "I would have been a better man if I didn't have this money," mm. which is like he was constantly trying to get rid of it. Yeah, um, is that what you do? You think that's kind of what this is all about? Like, if he didn't have money, he would have been happy. Like, I d- well, I don't know because the, it sounds like his home situation as a child was was pretty well, the, the drunk, pretty yeah, bad, and like you know they were living in a shack in the middle of winter. Like he could have yeah. died of hypothermia. Yeah, but he loved the snow. But he loved he it. He, he was it was his happy safe place, and yeah. he got taken away. Yeah. yeah, and with the promise of you know you're going to be one of the richest men in America. Yeah, and. He, young Charles Foster Kane, never wanted that, but clearly, and and clearly, like he rebelled against all the colleges he was sent to. Yeah. When he was finally made an independent wealthy man at twenty five, he bought a newspaper and just started printing spurious stuff that mm. really got the ire of Thatcher and and all the established things. Yeah. And then he, he he ran for governor, I think, just because he wanted to, just to thumb his nose, and also for love as well. Yeah, he's thumbing his nose at the establishment, and he's wanting that love i mean that's why his best mate was someone who was from a wealthy family which that was such a dark line again such a modern line Uh, the fact that he was like you know father of a father of a millionaire until he like was it takes a gun to his face and you realize he's got nothing and you're i was like oh my god that's some really dark dark shit dark shit right there fuck but like the fact that his best friend would have been someone that would have been completely ostracized Mm. the second that the father would have um committed suicide Mm. like and you know but you know he citizen you know mr kane like he would have been maybe the only people that would have kept with him and yeah. actually stayed his friend and stuff i can like see that. where that possibly came from um herman mankowitz that's who wrote it there mm. is 
I keep talking about Mank, but it's good. Like it's a good reference mm. for this movie. Um, there is a scene in Mank where Mank does lose a friend to suicide. Yeah, and I thought that's probably why I included something like that. That throwaway line in the script because mm. yeah, uh, it's something he experienced. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Second time mm. watching. This movie. I mean, also given Mankiewicz's own. Um, alcoholism i feel mm-hmm. as though leyland may have just been a self-insert character to an extent oh yeah definitely yeah, yeah. um which is, is is sad but also yes. like an effective use of one's own trauma i guess yeah for yeah. for creative purposes um i kind of i, I do kind of want to see this mankowitz mank film now yeah because on netflix it's on Check Netflix? It yeah. Oh, well then, let's stop recording and watch it right <laughs> now. It. No, we should... Uh, what we should do, actually, is um, give you all some trivia from Citizen Kane's. Mm. Would you like some trivia? I love me some trivia. I would like, just firstly, just to talk about oh. the whole sequence of him trying to get Susan to be an opera singer. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Being okay, yes. Horrible. Because trivia hole. I think it stands up against any kind of modern dramatic sequence that let's mm. say for example there will be blood or mm. something like that it's exactly what i was thinking it's so dramatic and awkward mm. and beautifully shot in these one takes and uh, yeah and i thought it was amazing that's all i'll yeah. say so yeah no the whole it was beautiful like yeah people from the start like and going back like so starting and then seeing the people up like the crew in the theatre, going like, oh, that stinks. Oh and then going back to her perspective of that overwhelming. And mm. um, and the way he bullied the trainer to stay and keep training her. And they're all just having a horrible time, even Kane. Even yeah. though he thinks mm. this is what he wants. And then, yeah, just his little face when he hears people going, God, she's awful in the, in the theatre. Yeah, so then he decides to, like, clap the loudest, which I didn't realise that that's obviously where there's so many... The slow clap? The slow Comes clap from, and standing yeah. up and the dramatic. I was yeah, like, but, oh, yeah okay. the meme of just the yeah. fierce, thunderous clapping. It's like, yeah. I'm going to, you know. Mm. Yeah. But also a part of me felt like it was for... Because the second she left, he, he stopped. That, yes, it was because he wanted to show everyone that he thought it was great. But mm. I also thought that he did it for her as well. Because mm. I think he was like, I think I know I've made her... I don't know. It was this weird... I think weird... he was saving, saving face He was saving himself, face. Wasn't yeah. yeah but... Like, you will keep singing. And yes. And she does, and she hates it, and everyone hates it. Mm. Yeah. And then she tries to kill herself yeah. to get out of yeah. it. And he realises, okay, we don't have to do this. He can stop singing. Um, but then when he does that, they've got nothing left. Mm. Because he is... He's, he's becoming more and more reclusive. And she's not, she stayed the same person that she was. Yeah. And yeah, just them, that, that, that whole relationship disintegrating and him going full, um, Howard Hughes <laughs> sort of reclusive billionaire yeah. um, was, was really, really fascinating. Uh, okay, trivia time. Here we go. Uh, all of this trivia was sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, Orson Welles always claimed that this picture was not the biography of one specific individual, but a composite of characters from that era in America. Uh, Though universally recognised as being based on the life of William Randolph Hearst, uh, there were also elements in the story that applied to the life of Chicago utilities magnate Samuel Insull, who lived basically the same time period, 1859 to 1938. Right. But yes, uh, Hearst was the... um, 
was the big time uh, yeah. main focus, yeah. or at least the person who took the most offence publicly yes. to what this film was and maybe revealed a bit more about himself than he intended. Yeah, I, mean, I incorrectly <laughs> called him George Hurst. That's obviously the um, the bad guy from Deadwood. Yes. But I think he's, he's a relative of <laughs> so William who is, Hurst. Who is William Hurst? Uh, William Randolph Hurst. Yeah. Uh, he was a, a newspaper tycoon. Oh, okay. Big time, rich. If you if you go onto the wonderful website of wikipedia.com, uh, he is described as being an American businessman, newspaper publisher, and politician known for developing the nation's largest newspaper chain and media company, Hearst Communications. His flamboyant method of yellow journalism influenced the nation's popular media by emphasizing sensationalism and human oh. interest stories. Sounds familiar. It does. <laughs> it does sound familiar. Yes. Um, he was actually about? a member of the US House of Representatives from 1903 to 1907. Uh, so he was a little bit more successful than his uh, filmic counterpart mm. in uh, the old political state. His net worth um, was, at the time, $3.1 billion. Not mm. adjusted for inflation. Not adjusted. Uh, Adjust- adjusted, that is the equivalent of $31 billion yeah, wow. in today's money. Jesus Christ. Oh. So, uh, Zuckerberg. yeah, he, um, yeah, and he's going to crop up a few times in this trivia. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, look forward to, um, old, old Scotty turning oh. up. Uh, and not Scotty, that's, uh, the explorer. Uh, yeah, old Willie. <laughs> old, uh, old Willie turning up. Despite all the publicity, this film was a box office flop and was quickly consigned to the RKO vaults, where what? you could only see it for a selected hour with a very stern lady watching over you because <laughs> you watched it. Oh, um, the days. Yeah. At the 1941 Academy Awards, the film was booed every time one of its nine nominations was announced. What? It was only re-released to the public in the 1950s and established its status after that. Okay. Shit. Okay. Yeah. I thought it won stuff. It won an Oscar. Um, for the right, the yeah, for the writing, yeah. but that was the only one it won. Yeah, right. Despite this, uh, the film is frequently cited as the best of all time. Um, its profile was raised significantly in 1962 when Sight and Sound's decennial all-time film poll put it at number one, which is a position it held in 1972 and 1982 and 1992 and 2002, before in the 2012 poll it was knocked down to the number two position by the by... Shawshank Redemption. No, uh, by a film that, uh, Kate, we've actually reviewed on this program before. Oh, yes. The Godfather? No. no. Vertigo. The Hitchcock oh, film. Oh, Vertigo. That okay. is surprising, though. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a genre movie. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. Crazy. But yeah. That's a good movie, too. But yeah. yes, basically, a film magazine went, hey, this film's really good. And everyone went, oh, it is. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, Just like the thing. Exactly. The audience that watches Kane make his speech, the big political speech, is in fact a still photograph. Uh, to give the illusion of movement, hundreds of holes were pricked in with a pin and lights moved around behind it. So, I wow. didn't even notice. So good. Mm. It's yeah. pretty spectacular. Well done. Uh, the camera looks up at Charles Foster Kane and his best friend Jebediah and down at weaker characters, in quotation marks, mm. like Susan. This was a technique that Wells borrowed from John Ford, who used it two years previously in his film Stagecoach. Stagecoach was a film that uh, Wells watched about 40 times while making Citizen Kane. Oh, crap. Yeah. That's one thing I do notice just about the shot sizes and decisions is, yeah, a lot of low angles mm. and a lot of high angles. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah, really cool. During filming, uh, Orson Welles received a warning that William Randolph Hearst, here he comes, uh, had arranged 
for a naked woman to jump in his arms when he entered his hotel room and there would be a photographer in the room to take a picture of Wells that would discredit him. Don't tell him, will he? Wells spent the night elsewhere and it is unknown if the warning was true. That's funny. It's getting in his head. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, th- I think somebody figured out a way to score a free hotel room. It's like, quick, tell Orson <laughs> yeah. this is going to happen and we can raid the minibar. Yeah, yeah man. It's squat. Um, indeed, William Randolph Hearst was so angered uh, by the film that he accused Orson Welles of being a communist in order to stop the film being released. Is, is that also why there was a section at the beginning when they were like, Citizen Kane's a communist? There was a lot of, if you didn't agree with someone in America and you couldn't think of anything <laughs> else, just call them a communist at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's quite funny that Hearst did the exact thing yeah. in, his, in real life. Um on the night that the movie opened in San Francisco, Orson Welles found himself alone in an elevator with William Randolph Hearst. That's hilarious. Uh, aware that his father and Hearst were friends, Orson extended an invitation to um, Hearst to attend the film's premiere. Hearst turned down the offer, and as he left the elevator at his floor, Welles remarked, Charles Foster Kane would have accepted. <laughs> I love that. That one might be hypocritical, but it's yeah. a very popular one that gets oh, talked about with this yeah, film. That's cool. And you can imagine Orson, the little cheeky shit. Yeah. He would have said that. He would have been like... I was like, did you actually say that? And in his brain, he's like, I thought it. Yeah. But he's like, what are they? No one else was there. Mm. Uh, throughout production, Wells had problems with various film executives not respecting his contract stipulation of non-interference and several spies arrived on set to report on what they saw to the executives. Mm. Uh, when the executives would sometimes arrive on set and announce, the entire cast and crew would suddenly start playing softball until they left. <laughs> so That's good. a little bit of an anarchic energy to this whole thing. Which, yeah, you know. but you know what? When you, when you look at some films now, like... Um, even, I mean, look, I, whatever, the whole like Snyder Cut stuff and the mm. whole like when people have gone, pe- people have creative visions that they want. And then mm. you see a lot of films and shows now that you go, oh, that was good. And then it turned to crap. And you go, yeah, the executives meddled. Mm. And then you see um, when people were let loose to have actually what they wanted and the movie was successful. So I mm. think I could totally understand him going, I like, especially like, some of the stuff were firsts or seconds where he was at least using new techniques and new styles mm. that had rarely been used. I could totally understand going, no executive would be okay with that because they know that that doesn't make money, which mm. it didn't. It didn't make them any money seeing no. that it was a flop. Yeah. So like, I think that was a very smart move to go, yeah. no, we're going to keep them out. Um, Wells would also sometimes claim that they were in rehearsal, uh, but they were actually filming. Um, but the executives caught on after a few days. <laughs> so, yeah, he was, uh, he was doing everything he could to keep them away. Uh, during the scenes where Kane first buys his newspaper and delivers the line about going bankrupt in 60 years, Orson Welles appears to be dressed as himself at his actual age. Welles has indicated in interviews that he was even more made up to play the younger version of Kane than the older version. Temporary facelifts and hairstyling, as well as camera tricks, made him look much more beautiful than he actually was. There you go. Wells has oh, said... Oh, because his young self was, yeah. like, hot. Yeah. Like, he... I could not get over how sexy, like, 25-year-old, like, Kane was. I was like, 
Holy shit. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. Wells uh, said that he spent years living down how far he'd come from his youthful looks when, in fact, he never really looked that good. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, older Orson Wells, uh, sad, sad to say, was yeah, uh, not, not, not an oil painting. Not, not a classic beauty. No, not a classic beauty. Yeah. yeah. No, disgusting as referred to by the girls and heav- heavenly creatures. Mm. Could not stand you. Just, just an ugly, grotesque, disgusting man. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah Orson Wells. I heard, don't agree. No, more was it his personality? I don't know anything about him. No, it was more things like his diet. Um, according to Ruth <laughs> Warwick, who who was in this film, Orson Welles was not in good shape at the beginning of production. Um, he was suffering from the effects of caffeine poisoning at the start of filming. Jesus. Because he would consume 30 to 40 cups of coffee a day. Wow. Wells then switched to tea, figuring that the hassle of having to brew it would naturally limit his intake. But Wells had someone to call on to brew the tea for him. Within two weeks, his... Uh, skin had begun to change colour because he was drinking too much tea. Oh my god, just drink oh, water. No. Yeah, well, just a healthy Coke habit. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Wells, he, yeah, he had a, fu- a funny habit, habit with uh, food and, and other things. Crazy. So, yeah. One subplot discarded from the final film concerned Susan Alexander having an affair that Kane discovers, which was said to be based on Marion Davis's rumoured affair with Charlie Chaplin. There were scenes written and storyboards designed for this sequence, though as rumours grew of um, the ire of William Randolph Hearst, Wells ordered the sequence to be deleted from the script. Um, Marion Davis, I should say, was uh, someone who was romantically entangled with um, with William Hearst. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he refused to discuss the real reasons for the removal of these scenes in any public forum, even long after Hearst himself had died, uh, as he claimed elements of the subplot were so scandalous they could cost him his life. Privately, he did discuss the subject with close friend Peter Bogdanovich. According to Bogdanovich, who then talk, spoke about this later on, the danger of the subplot stemmed not from the affair, but of its result. Wells claimed that Davis did in fact have an affair with Charlie Chaplin, and Hearst learnt of this whilst on a trip on his own yacht with Davis Chaplin and a number of other celebrity guests. Wells asserted that Hearst walked into a room and saw Davis and Chaplin having sex. He pulled a gun and Chaplin ran out of the room and onto the deck. Hearst fired at Chaplin but accidentally shot the pioneering producer and director uh, Thomas H. Ince who shortly afterwards died from the wound. An elaborate cover-up followed. Supposedly, the columnist uh, Luella Parsons was on board and witnessed the killing, and Hearst promised her a job for life with him if she kept her mouth shut, which she did. The legend uh, of this whole event became the basis for Bogdanovich's own film, 2001's The Cat's Meow. Ah, yeah, that's right. That was a good film. Holy shit. But we could have had yacht murder in this story. I'd love love if they did that. I guess that, oh my and God. filmed it in like a Charlie Chaplin esque style, mm. like where he like he dodges the bullet in some yeah. wacky way. And... It also makes sense when the guy was like, you know, oh, sudden such a nose, yeah, where all the bodies are buried, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> like are you serious, bro. He, yeah, oh my God, he mm. murdered someone. Of course, we don't know if this is actually well, true or not. Of course, um, we don't. But but they did make another film about it, so yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah, because it was mentioned briefly, like mm. in the in the newsreel about that she left and was with someone else, or like yeah, it, you know. But you never saw that; you just saw her mm. again. I guess yeah. the truth of it was she didn't leave for another person. She just she left for herself. She left for herself because she I had self respect. Yeah, which I thought was more powerful. Yeah, yeah. 
In the scene where Kane and his entourage set off from the beach uh, at Xanadu, large birds are seen flying around in the background. Uh, the background was lifted from a science fiction film to reduce costs, and the birds are, in fact, pterodactyls. Yeah, they clearly look like pterodactyls. Yeah, yeah. lifted Tara. from either King Kong or Son of Kong. It kind of puts the film in an interesting kind of time warp, time zone. Mm. Like, maybe this was set before... Or during the dinosaur period? Because yeah. a lot of people believe that humans and dinosaurs existed at the same time. Yeah, Cain so, was a bit of a dinosaur himself. Yeah. So, And also, who in the scene, who was that woman screaming murder? I don't know. Because don't like, there's that. that breakup and she is like she's being literally murdered. Because I thought it was yeah. part of the song. Tent. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she is going. screaming yeah. and screaming. Mm. And I'm like, are we going to get to a shot of... Like like a, what, who, like where that is coming what from? Is, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was it supposed to be in her inner monologue? Of in her, in her head, dumb? but it was very confusing. Yeah, yeah. interesting that, choice. That one I do not know, unfortunately. And also, then that random bird screech. Yeah. So she was associated yeah. with a lot of screaming. I was like, oh yeah, shit. It was a, was cool. a 1940s jump scare. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. the shit out of I was like, oh, yeah, uh, nice one. After production wrapped, uh, here he comes again. William Randolph Hearst forbade any advertisement of the film in any of his newspapers or indeed any other films by RKO and offered to buy the original negatives of this film in order to destroy them. Wells had already previewed the film to influential industry figures and they really liked it, so he was granted a limited theatrical release. Critics from non-Hearst newspapers fell over themselves praising the film. The film itself did not receive a review in any Hearst newspaper until the mid-1970s. Holy shit. Mm, That's quite... I mean, that would probably also be a reason why they maybe flopped. Hmm. I sort of suspect. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't... Yeah. Wouldn't put it past them, old Willie. The scene with Charles Bennett and the chorus girls in the newspaper office was supposed to have taken place in a brothel, but the Hayes Code would not allow it. Oh, it was clearly yeah, yeah coded as mm. now yeah. that didn't bother Orson Welles, as he knew the brothel setting would draw the attention of the Hayes office away from other elements of the script which they would object to. So he wrote a scene in a brothel so they'd get focused on that and ignore the rest of the film. Yeah, because again, <laughs> I was like, there was some other stuff in there. I was like, okay, mm. like, but that was there. Mm. Uh, production advisor Miriam Geiger quickly compiled a handmade film textbook for Orson Welles, a practical reference book of film techniques that he studied carefully. He then taught himself filmmaking by matching its visual vocabulary to the movie The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920, uh, which he ordered from the Museum of Modern Art. He also watched films by um, Frank Capra, René Clair, Fritz Lang, King Vidor and Jean Renoir. So he just did a big old crash course in film history. Yeah, um, oh, it kind of shows, you know, mm. just all these different techniques, you know, that you know, just using it to make it work for the context of the script. Yeah, you definitely see Fritz Lang stuff in there, just with mm. the beautiful background painting. Yeah, and it's like why yeah. make? Yeah, he goes, I know that looks good and that works, so just mm. yeah. let's do that. You know, mm. the final bit of trivia on April twenty twenty one. The film lost its perfect 100% score record on Rotten Tomatoes after an 80-year-old negative review from the Chicago Tribune was found. As a result, the score went down to 99%, meaning it is no longer the top-rated film. That honour... Is the Shawshank Redemption. No. That honour means that the number one rated film on Rotten Tomatoes is Paddington 2. Wow. (laughs) Which has a 100% yeah, record. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you'd have to be a 
you have to be the devil to, to <laughs> give that one a negative yeah. review. So I agree. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really funny. Yeah. So sorry, Citizen Kane, but Paddington uh, Two is now the best film at the. Hey, movie. Paul King, leave up to your name. Hey, yeah. Audience members, you know that's why they decide. Yeah. Just that one eighty-year-old review they found it ruined yeah. it for them. Damn. But there you go. Uh, so that brings us uh, almost to the end of this episode. All that remains is for us to score the film. Kate, it was your first time watching Citizen yes. Kane. Yes. What, what are you going to give it out of 10? I, this is, it's interesting. I like, it was a very good film. I can see why people say, you know, these are movies that you should watch before you die type sort of mm. thing. Will I ever watch it again? I have. No, I don't like maybe. Yeah, I don't think I'll actively go, you know what I should watch again? Citizen Kane. Mm. So, yeah. And I, I was also sewing as I was watching it. Um, but but I got distracted from sewing because I kept Beautiful wanting. Beautiful coat, by the because, way. Oh, thank you. Because yeah. I, I wanted to keep looking at the film. So mm. I accidentally messed up my hand dodgy Rama stitching um, mm. because I was like, oh, that's a nice shot. Um yeah, I can see why you're like this is really good, but then at this, it is the broccoli of yeah. movies. Yeah. I go, it's important, and it's a part of a balanced diet, and you enjoy it when it's cooked well, and it is, but you don't, you know. But you'd rather eat like, you know, the steak on the side yeah. more, you know. I don't, what, that's a weird metaphor. What's the Hot movie wings? equivalent of steak? Is what I want to know. I don't know. I think I yeah. Cauliflower. Wait, what? What? No, yeah. we're, asking, we're asking what the film is the equivalent of steak. Yeah. Cauliflower. No. The film no, Cauliflower? The film Cauliflower. Um, what is the film like of steak? Like, yeah. it tastes really good. No, it not, it's not great for you, but it's not bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one film that fits, fits into that category. Mm. Um, Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Okay, now that's fair. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, and like, and like Paddington 2 is chocolate cake, you yeah, know? Like, you'd rather, you'd rather eat the cake... At, you, and that's the thing. It's but it's good for you too. So uh-huh. Maybe carrots on the side of the cake. Yeah. Maybe carrot cake. Maybe carrot cake. Gluten-free carrot cake. Yeah. yeah. With, with proper icing. Like yeah. Proper good. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. Sorry. Weird. I'm hungry. I think that's where I. You know what? I haven't eaten today, and I think metaphor. it. I think it shows because mm. it's it's in the afternoon. Um. So I would say, as a film, I would like rank it like nine or ten but then at the same time uh, yeah i get this i i totally understand your vibe at the beginning Mm. yeah like it's a nine ten film but then Mm. at the same time i feel interested yet nothing at the same time but in not in a bad way yeah yeah so i'm giving the film a, a a nine point one. 9.1 okay very specific i i yeah no that's fair that's absolutely that's fair. i don't know how to rank it no yeah. no that you ranked it exactly perfectly it's <laughs> it actually helped me with mine in oh. my head yeah. yeah i think you beautiful food metaphors and um but the main thing is like would i watch it again yeah. i think that's a big deal because yeah. i mean yeah you can see the importance of it and what it contributed to film language yeah, and, and like stuff. we had a great chat about going yeah. who's he the villain oh like i think it's got a really good like like you know oh let's have a chat about who citizen kane is isn't that mm. interesting but then i i also understand when you're like oh it's, i watched it a year ago and i can't remember it exactly I yeah. and i probably wouldn't have watched it again in, unless i did the podcast so that's that's the thing i i might 
you know what, maybe I will watch it one more time before I die, just mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it, it's really well done. And I do love the shots and the pacing of the editing, which mm-hmm. um, I think was, was kind of innovative as well. So I'm going off, yeah, look, the importance of it, but, you know, rewatchability and just generally, you know, how, how good is it really? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could, I'd be happy to give it an 8.5 cigars in a toothpaste box out of 10 nice you know yeah yeah I'm sort of in a similar boat of I'm really glad I've watched it now yeah as like 31 year old Stephen as opposed to 18 year old Stephen who it kind of a lot of the the nuance escaped me at that time Um, I agree I really enjoyed this viewing it it didn't make me go wowee my socks are blown off yeah but it's but it's very good and I would watch this again I would probably watch this again in a month like, oh, nice. I, I, okay. pro- I reckon yeah. in a month I could be going you know what I'm going to do I'm going to watch Citizen Kane again I, I almost certainly won't but that's like I feel like it's a it's a sort of film I'd like to go back to and look at those character elements and those relationships and particularly because yeah. of our conversation today there's some bits where I'm like I need to go back and check and this now out and now you're more familiar with it and you can take in a lot more yeah. and yeah. maybe just be extra familiar with the yeah concept. it's yeah. got a lot there like and that's the, I think that's the issue that I had with the grading of it is that yeah. I did enjoy it, but then I yeah, it's it's weird. Mm. It's a very and I think, but it's a good f- film at the same time. And also, I guess the ending of the film, like the whole point was it that even his thing of rosebud went up in smoke, and no one will know what it is. Mm. But the idea is that they're all leaving, and at the end of the day, this place is like empty. And what do you leave behind? And like mm. this film is celebrating eighty years, and it's cons- and even if people have never watched it, like myself know of the film mm. or like or at least the name of it or the idea of it or the, the you know so it's in this sort of consciousness that like the irony is that all those actors and all the costumes and the editors and like everyone they're all gone but mm. this film is still here and mm. has captured them when they were as old people as actors but they were young people playing but they yeah. have they've all died it's a very i don't know i'm mm. getting really it's it's because well, the whole that... film is about that is Rosebud, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it that, is their like, Not that everyone in the, the characters in the film knew what mm. Rosebud meant, but yeah. we as the audience do. Yeah. And we're, it's like we're remembering the people that made that film mm. and yeah. that's their legacy and, oh, that's that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and then, oh. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I knew what Rosebud was before I'd even seen the film for the first time. It was that, mm. it was already out there that off that much that it was already spoiled for me before I'd even saw it. But, yeah. yeah. No, because for me, Rosebud, I thought of uh, that. You're like, do you know what it is? My first thought was Mr. Burns' teddy. Yes. In the snow. And I went, oh, so then when I saw it was a sled, I went, oh, it's a toy. But my first thought was, oh, it's it's Rosebud a teddy bear. So I don't know. Sorry, Stephen. (laughs) No, no, that's that's absolutely fair. Um, I was just going to say that for for all of those reasons, it's going to get a decent score. I'm going to give it. it should. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to give it nine um, Kairoscuros out of ten. Because that's my new word for the day. That's a good word. Uh, So uh, that brings us to the end of this review of Citizen Kane. Luke and Kate, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thank you so much for having me. I really love getting to watch, like, I think films, you know, when the whole, you know, when you said what the Cinema Catch-Up Club was about, when people say, how have you not seen this film? Mm. And I was really glad, you know, I get to see films like, yeah, Citizen Kane. And I don't think I ever would have gone on my own, sat on my couch and, like, thought I should watch Citizen Kane by myself. Mm. So... Yeah, it was really nice getting the opportunity to watch it. And, oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah thanks, most Steve. welcome. It's good to see it again. Yeah. Yes, we'll see you in a year, Luke. Uh- Bye. <laughs>
Off he goes. Uh, but yes, thank you very much for listening at home. Uh, we've got a podcast. I know, you're listening to it right now, uh, but you might be wanting to go, golly gosh, I wish there was a way for me to get this every week without me having to turn on the internet, go to www.findmypodcast.com forward slash help me. Uh, I don't know if that's a real website, um, but you don't need to find out. We can be subscribed to on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of those great places. We're also on Facebook. Um, we can be found by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can vote on polls, get little uh, bonus features here and there. And speaking of bonus features, we've also got a Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can uh, get all sorts of bonus goodies and uh, behind-the-scenes featurettes and things like that. Uh, and also, I just thought uh, this week I would also like to... Mm, mm, prompt you of nothing, uh, promote um, a little shout-out here for a new jazz album. Uh, you know, we all love jazz, Who don't we? Who doesn't love I jazz? I love jazz. Yeah. Uh, so there's a new jazz album called Best Buddies that's being released by uh, Tim Jago and Troy Roberts. Luke, your last name's Jago. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know Do you know Tim Jago? Oh, Tim's my brother. He lives in Miami. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's got a brand new jazz album. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it came out pretty recently. Wow. Oh, and yeah. it must be good if it's... if it's, It is so good. Yeah, if it's yeah. being mentioned here, it absolutely must be good. Uh, yes, you can stream uh, Best Buddies on Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, Tim, I understand, is a fan of this program. So, Tim, thank you very much for listening all these years. And consider this a favour repaid, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, if you want me to talk about jazz music at the end of um, podcasts and things like that, absolutely get your brother to send more through. But everyone should go listen to Best Buddies as they ruminate on Citizen Kane. I'm going to be honest, when you said, um, if you want to learn more about jazz, send more to your brother, I, I thought there was a call out to all audience. Like, if you like something about jazz listeners, you got to go to your brother and tell him to send stuff to me. It's the only way I'll get it. He'll do it. And I thought that is hilarious. Mm. And then I realized you weren't, you, you, you didn't mean that at all. Mm. Um, yeah. Jazz. I love it. But that is all for this week. So until next time, watch Citizen Kane and download Best Buddies, everybody. Best Buddies! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Is that jazz? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hear Best Buddies is to jazz. It's between the notes. Oh, right. That's oh, of course. What it's all about. You know, I hear Best Buddies is to jazz what Citizen Kane is to cinema. Really? It flopped? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I don't know you. Oh. I don't know you. I'm Throw so on some mad shade to Timbo in Miami. Oh. He will love that. Oh. Uh. I'm going to do Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm so sorry. No, that's, that's great. Hey.